I'm your host, Vikram Ryan. Today, I have my good friend, Pierce York. Pierce is a, a dynamic individual. He's a commercial real estate broker, but now he's gotten a specialty into helping people exit highly appreciated assets and defer the tax and reinvest the proceeds. Essentially, he's figured out an alternative to 1031. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. Pierce, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Vikram. How are you doing, man? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we met at, at the Best Ever Conference where we were hosting our Physician Wealth Summit, and it was awesome to uh, meet uh, uh, people who are thinking outside the box. So, Pierce, why the heck do people even come to you? Yeah, so uh, the solution that we have is a, uh, is a cornerstone solution that we like to use. People come to us for a variety of reasons, uh, mainly because they have a capital gains or a state tax problem. Um, and so we have a solution that solves that problem. It's an alternative to a 1031 exchange. It basically allows you to get away from a lot of the pitfalls that a 1031 has. So let's let's dive into that. So tell everyone again, for those of you who don't know what a 1031 is, and, and tell me what are the sort of the nuances or some of the stick, sticking points that some people have with 1031s. Sure. So, uh, so a 1031 exchange is when you uh, you basically buy a piece of investment real estate or property, and then you sell the property, you put the funds into what's called a qualified intermediary, and then you go out and you buy another piece of property and you buy it bigger. And so that works great for a lot of people um, if you can find the right deal. However, there's some, some pitfalls to it that we are really starting to want to avoid because a lot of times what happens is, is you get put in these constraints and you think that you have this freedom, but, but really you're trapped. And so some of the pitfalls of the 1031, there's time constraints. Uh, you have 45 days to identify like three properties, and then you have 180 days to close on those properties. The other pitfalls is you have to go back into property. So if you're selling real estate, you got to go back into real estate, which is great for a lot of people. But a lot of times with the time constraints, you put yourself in a motivated buyer position, and that's not a place you really want to be. Um, the other the other pitfalls is you have to replace the debt. So if you have debt, you got to go back in there. You got to you got to replace debt. Um, and finally, your depreciation schedule travels with you. So if you do a cost seg study or something like that, um, you move you move forward. One more is that, you know, if you're in a partnership or syndication, right? If you're trying to, if you're trying to 1031, right? And, and Billy, John and Joe want to go, but, but Bobby doesn't, right? We, now we got to figure out what we're going to do with Bobby. We either got to buy Bobby out, we got to do tick or something. Um, and so uh, we have to deal with that. And I'll leave you with one more. The final thing is when you're, when you're doing a 1031, right? A lot of times, especially from the syndicator's perspective, it's really hard to take 1031 dollars because it's a huge pain in the ass for like uh, just paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And it just a, a lot of syndicators leave money on the table. With this, 
you don't have to um, go with all the partners. You can go in and out of, of different assets, not just real estate. You can go into a business or stock or uh, real estate or hard money loans. It's, it's a combination of everything. It gives you diversification freedom. It gives you liquidity freedom. So you're able to, to stay liquid and wait. It gives you time freedom because you don't have to uh, go with the time constraints. It gives you uh, passive investment freedom because you don't have to be an active GP. So it gives you all of these freedoms that, um, you know, that you wouldn't normally get with a 1031 or some of these other strategies. Okay. And let's just uh, do the big re reveal. What is this called? I know uh, you use the word DST. And for many people, that sounds for Delaware Statutory Trust, but that's not what you're offering here. You're having a strategy that's called DST. What does that stand for in your in your vernacular? Yeah, so uh, a DST is a deferred sales trust from our perspective. Um, a Delaware Statutory Trust gets confused with it all the time, but a Delaware Statutory Trust is really just a 1031 into a REIT. Okay. Um, and it follows a lot of the same kind of uh, issues with a 1031. There's some benefits to it, and we actually use them in conjunction with the Deferred Sales Trust to solve what's known as a mortgage over basis. So if you basically refi your property and you've got a debt that's over the actual amount that you paid for it, along with your um, you know, depreciation and your improvements, um, then we use a, a Delaware Statutory Trust to basically bring it down to um, your basis so that you don't get hit with that capital gains tax. And then we use the deferred sales trust as um, the cornerstone strategy in order for you to get all those freedoms that we talked about. Let me ask you a question. Um, I've, you know, like most of my doctors who are listening and all the entrepreneurs who listen to our podcast, we're pretty smart. We figured out a lot of things. I've heard of 1031s. Yes. Yeah. And I've figured out that also I can just do what I call a lazy man's 1031, where essentially sell something, uh, sell a, a piece of real estate, you know, collect my, uh, my capital gains, and then, you know, just reinvest into another deal. And then that bonus depreciation will offset my gains, essentially. Sure. Uh, but I've never heard of the this DST, the, the deferred sales trust. Yeah. Uh, number one, why is that? And then it sounds like an amazing solution. There must be some yeah, the catch. downsides or catches. I'd love to hear about that. Sure. These are the the one of actually two of the three big objections that I get. Right. But first, why? How come we? No one has ever heard of it. Yeah. So no one's ever heard of it because <clears throat> the law firm that created it um, had to walk this fine line between proving its efficacy, pioneering it, right, without it getting uh, destroyed, and also marketing it. And so they kept it in house for a long time. So. Uh, the track record is over 23 years of doing these, thousands of, of trusts closed, billions of assets under management. There's been audits and reviews by the IRS, formal audits, over 20 of them. So three formal audits from the IRS, where they actually took the entire law firm back and whiteboarded out the entire thing in DC and was like, all right, show us what you're doing here. And so... Um, that passed with no changes, no findings. A few years later, they actually came back and they did it again because they thought that they missed something. Again, no changes, no findings. It was audited by FINRA. And then of the 17 audits and reviews that were done, deep dives and just preliminary reviews, kind of, hey, we need more information on this. All of those have been no changes, no findings. So we're actually batting a thousand 
So uh, wait, wait, what does the term no changes, no findings mean? It just means that the IRS basically says, okay, this is perfect and we're not going to do that, which is unheard of. Okay. Because think of it like a home inspector coming in to your, your house and, and saying like, hey, your house is absolutely flawless. Don't change a thing. You know, when you buy a okay. new build, you go out there and you like put little blue tape all over the the little things, right? And you, hey, fix these. So, so tell me um, some of the interesting things about this that people don't know. Like I, I remember when we were speaking at the conference, you were telling sure. me how maybe medical practices can benefit from this or yeah. people who have like uh, uh, surgical centers or they're selling their practice or, you know, maybe it's a private equity sale, you know. Sure. Tell me some about some how they can take some of that and do uh, do do something very productive with it. Yeah, so here's how it could apply to a lot of your audiences. What's unique about the Deferred Sales Trust is it works with more than just real estate. It works with any asset that's highly appreciated. And that includes a business, that includes stock, that includes primary homes, that includes commercial real estate, that includes um, art. Uh, we've even been doing a, a potential deal with a racehorse. So anything that's highly appreciated, you can you can do it. And what's unique is the uh, uh, and we've done this a few times with different uh, medical professionals, dentists, chiropractors, doctors, who build up practices, right? And then they want to sell, but um, they have a, a a big tax and you know millions of dollars in tax. And so what they're able to do is they're able to actually sell a practice, defer the tax, and then they can go and reinvest the proceeds. Um, and what's really unique is, you know, they can reinvest the proceeds into whatever they want. So it doesn't have to be another practice, but they can, if they choose to right, go start another practice, if they wanted to, or if they wanted to start another venture, they could, or if they wanted to put, um, into some of your deals, Vikram, they could do that as well. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of really cool things that they can do. Um, and it, it works for just because it works for more than just real estate, it opens up all of this like potential opportunity for all of these people. So, uh, you know, uh, I think the, the word illiquid assets sounds like uh, about right. So like businesses, commercial real estate, you know, uh, you said crypto securities, you know, even art and <laughs> even a racehorse, for example. Racehorse. So, so that's interesting. So when do I pay the taxes? Sure. So the way that it works is, um, it's, it's off of IRC code 453, which is a seller carryback. Okay. Um, the way that it works is, um, let's say Vikram, you're selling your, your medical practice, right? <clears throat> and, you know, let's say it costs you uh, a million bucks to set everything up, right? That's your basis. You're going to sell it for five. Um, so you're going to have a, a $4 million gain <clears throat> and you're going to sell it to, to Dr. Bobby. Okay. So you would kind of line that transaction up. Okay. And then once that's lined up, right, before we're going to close on that property, right, you're going to sell your practice to Capital Gates Tax Solutions for 5 million bucks. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to write you a note. Uh, typically, we structure the notes at 10 years uh, with a preferred rate of return that's based upon your risk tolerance. So you say to me, hey, Pierce, I want to invest in uh, passive real estate. I want to invest in, uh, you know, this Viking capital deal. I want to invest in um, liquid grade securities and I want to invest in whatever. And I want at least uh, an 8% preferred rate of return net of all of our fees. So, okay, we can make that happen. So we'll structure that note. Um, at which point you become 
a lender. Okay. So I and sold my practice to you guys, but I'm sold my pra- owner, sold owner your financing and you're paying me uh, a return on what, what you're paying me, like, you know, paying back the loan. Paying back the loan. hundred <clears throat> percent okay. seller finance. No, I turn around immediately and I sell it to Bobby, Dr. Bobby, Dr. Okay. Bobby's going to fund the trust. However, he's going to do it with cash financing, right. whatever. Right. So now the money's sitting in there. Bobby's got away with, with title or the business or whatever the asset is. Right. We've got a cap, you know, a bunch of capital sitting in this trust account and you've got a note. And then you basically tell me, you're like, Hey, okay, I want you to invest it here. And you're like, Hey, look, I want to put a million dollars into this Viking capital deal. Done. Here we go. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put a million bucks into there. So I want to do acting like a custodian, a loan carrying custodian almost. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, from a, from a, tax perspective right conceptual perspective it's kind of like you get to like 1031 into like a way better self-directed ira account got it got it so the point though is like when do people pay the tax as you take distributions from the fund from the from the trust right there's two different taxes you would you would pay number one on the interest only on the interest payments you'll pay ordinary income tax and if you dip into principal right that's when you take constructive receipt of the principal that's the whole key here once you start taking constructive receipt of principal you will start paying tax on capital gains tax on the principal so if you come to me and you say hey look i need i need two and a half million dollars out of my five million dollar trust okay great here's two and a half million you'll pay the tax on that two and a half million the rest of it's still in the deferral state what a lot of people do though is they just continue to renew the note so They've realized, well, I can pretty much do everything I want to do from an investment standpoint, utilize, like utilizing the trust. Why wouldn't I just keep it in there and keep deferring the tax and letting it grow? So that $4 million, you know, I sold it to you for five. It's worth, you know, after my principal, it's worth four. So that, that $4 million of profit, um, how do I then, um, like if I want to buy $4 million of real estate, mm-hmm. how does that work? Yeah. So what's super cool is that uh, we can, we can get a brand new depreciation schedule with this thing. So how this works would be, all right, we got it. We got a deal, right? A real estate deal. What you would do. And we actually, we have clients that are doing this all the time. They form a new LLC and they give 20% of the uh, LLC to the trust and they take 80% for themselves. But what's unique is you can structure this based upon your own unique situation. So this isn't a hard and fast. This is just, hey, this is how we've maximized it for most people. So they form a new LLC. <clears throat> the trust funds the LLC at you know whatever it is. And then the LLC goes and buys the real estate. And now that real estate's sitting in the trust or in the, okay. in the LLC. And then that LLC now is, is when you take distributions from it, you take you know 80% of the cash flow. 20% goes back to the trust, but the trust still owes you the 8% preferred rate of return. So it's okay. just going to flow all So all by back keeping around. things in the trust, by whatever assets I buy, as long as I keep in the trust, I don't have that. I don't trigger the tax clause. But the Correct. moment I take the cash out of the trust is when the tax happens. The moment you take cash and hits your bank account called constructive receipt, trigger tax. Okay. So if you keep it in separate entities like an LLC or you keep it in like whatever, where the trust is a partner and you're putting up sweat equity, right? And okay. the trust is putting up. So we had a, we had a, um, a group, they sold their practice. There was uh, 
four partners? Um, they deferred, I can't remember the exact number, but it was over a million dollars in tax. And um, two of them, three of them wanted to do it. And one of them didn't. So one of them just took his capital and paid the tax. The other three did DSTs. And now um, a couple of them are partnering up and they're buying real estate and doing development deals and all that kind of stuff. So they have, they have real estate on their own. They have real estate, a couple of real estate deals together, and they've got some in liquid grade securities and they're cash flowing and it's, they're doing great. Okay. Okay. I, it sounds like uh, we'll have to de definitely dig in deeper, but overall, it sounds like an alternative uh, to 1031s that is really not well known in the industry. And now it's, it's starting to blow up. You'll, you will know the deferred sales trust in the next three to five years. It'll become a household, a household name. And why is that starting to get more traction? That's because we're marketing it. So okay. the, the, the lawyers who kept it, you know, kind of, um, who, who kept it kind of under wraps, well, yeah. they, they wanted to prove the track record and, yeah. you know, it, it comes with lifetime audit defense, um, you know, from the law firm. And like I said, we're batting a thousand, like we've defended so it every single time. And you work with the law firm that has the law firm it. is, is a, is a piece of it. Um, there's a trustee and then there's a financial advisor. So there's the law firm will set it up. And this kind of leads into the fees in case you were, you know, wondering about that. Like what are the fees associated with it? There's three fees. Uh, the first one is a one and a half percent of gross sales goes to, um, the law firm for creating the trust and that comes with lifetime audit defense and they're incentivized to keep it, keep it rolling because they are, it's like their baby. So they want to protect it and they want to defend it. So you get that guarantee, like, Hey, we're, we're going to defend this to, you know, the day we die. And the, the guys who created are probably some of the smartest people in the world. They're brilliant. So one and a half percent of the, one and a half percent gross of sales the, of the, of the uh, amount that we're, Yep. Deferring. Goes to the, goes to the um, law firm. And that's a one-time fee. That's a and pretty steep one. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of, but if you're, you know, in California, 37 and a half percent tax for. Right. Right. You know, so what we, what we show you is how we make this. Is into, that the only fee or is there other? Fees no, there's, there's two more. Uh, the, and then there's a, about a 2% reoccurring fee um, every year for the assets under management and the trustee. So you have a financial advisor of the total amount of the net proceeds in the trust. Okay. So if you have a million bucks in there, it's 20 grand. Okay. However, um, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're showing you, we're deferring the tax, right? And then you're earning money on that money. So if you, if you were to sell right in our example, right, it's almost like $1.5 million. If you're in California, or if you're in New York or a high, you know, a high income state, right? You're, um, you're paying a, a significant amount in tax if you don't do it or right. You're, you're in real estate, right. And you get the benefit of a 1031, which can be good. And we're not saying don't do it. We're saying only do it if it makes sense. Right. And so a lot of times it doesn't make sense. And so you have this, you have this, problem where you're 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 trapped and i've seen it and you were i mean we we're at the conference right how many guys were saying you know oh we got bridge debt on this on this value add multifamily deal where we syndicated you know 35% we got floating rate debt on 65% and uh you know it's it's adjusting and and we 
1031 into the property and we way overpaid for it. And now we're like, you know, there's six, there's 60% of the units that were supposed to be built that are, that are no longer, you know, we're going to liquidate it and we're going to leave meat on the bone or whatever for everyone. That's, that's a, a 1031 issue, right? Cause you're, you're forced to, and, and I mean, I've countless horror stories where sellers are like, I, I got you. Like you got, you've got to close on this or you're going to, you're going to pay, you know, 37% so, of the so, gain in tax. If I could just take a few steps back. So overall it's uh, the, the company capital gains tax solutions is, is the company you you're part of. And yeah. what's the name of the law firm that does, does it? The law firm is called is uh Campbell law. Uh, Campbell, like the animal Campbell, like uh, oh, Campbell. Okay. Campbell. Got it. Campbell law. Yeah. And, um, and then again, uh, the way it works is you have a consultation with somebody and you see yeah. if it, it makes sense. And then see obviously you've talked about uh, the, the fees you mentioned. And then overall, at least awareness wise, this is a great alternative. And there's a lot more flexibility than a typical 1031. So that sounds flexibility. That sounds great. Um, yeah. Anything else that would help our listeners to really uh, see this as a potentially viable option? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in, um, anything other than real estate, right? If you're in a highly appreciated stock or you're in a practice or a business or something like that, right? And there's not really a lot of great solutions out there for you, um, you know? And so this is by far the best solution. And it's a cornerstone strategy that allows you to use other strategies in conjunction with it. And it's more of a holistic plan piece of it. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of just leave you with this. There's there's a, a lot of misconceptions out there, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why the other professionals will kind of like immediately say no to this. And um, the reason is because you have CPAs, you have, you know, tax attorneys, estate planning attorneys, right? All of these other professional teams that a lot of, you know, smart people like yourself have, um, and they have never heard of it. And so when you bring it to them, uh, immediately three things pop into their head. Number one, like, okay, uh, I didn't know about this. Like, I'm going to look like an idiot, right? If I say yes to this and something goes south, they're coming right back to me. And they're going to say, you told me this was okay and it, and it didn't work out, right? And so um, their upside's very limited. They don't have a, a great, especially if you're bringing it to them. And so if they immediately say yes, right? They're putting all of their risk on the, on the line without any reward, because not only do they look like, you know, they might think like, Oh, I'm not good enough as a CPA, but on top of that, now, if it goes South, I am the one carrying all the, all the risk. And number three, they think that oh, they're trying to steal my clients. And so the immediate answer we get from all the professionals is no, like right away. But what I want to say is like, we're not here to steal clients. We're here to do, we do a very specific thing. We help people defer capital gains tax, right? And we do these all the time. This is what we do, right? A CPA is, is uh, necessary and vital as they are. Let's, 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 uh, as we wrap up here, I want to ask one more question. What's the timetable? Let's say we're interested in doing Sooner this. the better. No, no, no. Uh, timetable for you to get it done. Like, like, yeah. like, let's say I need to get this done in, in, like my sale of a business, for example, is March 30th. When would all this be set up we've done them we've done them quicker we've done them within like a couple of weeks however we need time so and, six and weeks yeah. eight weeks like what is the it's, time more time? times better because you know it gives 
it gives people here's the here's the cutoff if you don't have um a, a contract you have a contract that has removed contingencies there's really not a lot we can do unless you're in real estate and if you're in real estate you can do you can put it into a 1031 qi and we can save it from the 1031 we can save it a failed 1031 um so this could be a rescue to a 1031. This can, this can, yeah. I just put, I just put a guy who sold a primary okay. home into so a. QI it's a rescue code. 1031, but let's say I'm selling a business. I want to buy another business. Yeah. What's the timetable that you need? Because I just want to educate my investors. And yeah, my, so and my, it's, and my, it and my, depends uh, on how much time's left in the. If you've removed contingencies in the contract. Yes. On on the purchase agreement, um, yeah. there's really not a whole lot we can do. So I mean, if you've got. If as long as you haven't removed contingencies, we can work with you. What do you mean by contingencies? I mean, like in in real estate, right? You have like a no. Um, this is we're not talking about real estate here. I have a sale of a practice, and I'm about to. I want to buy another practice. Yeah, walk, walk me through the steps. Okay, so it's it's basically like, um, are there any sort of is there anything else in the contract that allows you to get out of it? Okay. If there's not, if there's not those contingencies or if there's not those, um, you know, uh, any last things where it's like, Hey, like we, uh, we, we don't have anything else to, to kind of fall like this is going and it's, it's done. If you haven't put the correct language in the contract, then we, we can't really help you. Okay. So sounds like if, if I'm going to explore this as an option, probably consult with you on how to structure the sale in a way that makes sense to use your, your strategy. Is that right? Yeah. And that's why the okay. earlier, the better. And that loops all the way back to kind of what I was talking about with the professionals, because we want to bring them in and we want to share them. Hey, this is how this is done so that they, they say, Oh, okay, cool. We see it. We get it. We know you're not trying to steal our clients. We understand it. We see the, the risk and stuff. So get in early. It's best. You know, if you're, if you're selling a business six months out, it's great. 90 days out is great. Okay. Um, okay. Two weeks what, possible, but you got to have the right things in place. What's the best way for people to learn more about the strategy, Pierce, and also get a hold of you guys? Sure. So we have a mastermind every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com and register for the uh, for the mastermind. Uh, you can also just go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com and schedule a consultation with us. We have a free ebook that's there as well that you can download and, and read. Um, so everything's on the website, capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. And uh, just mention the, the podcast here. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Pierce. Uh, this is uh, going to provide a lot of uh, capabilities for folks when they see that there's more options than the typical ones that, that they've been told by their professionals. So thank you again for sharing this novel strategy. And I, I know it seems I've helped uh, a lot of folks all around the country. So thanks again. And guys, uh, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you all. And uh, again, you know what I'm going to say, keep being phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.